Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the February Room, where we talk shop, tie flies, and share the fishing stories you never heard. I'm Lauren Carnop, your host, and this is the February Room. Presented by CD Fishing USA, innovative construction equals exceptional performance. Visit cd-fishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Welcome to the February Room. Today I am visiting with owner and also my husband of CD Fishing USA, Justin Carnop. Yeah, hey, uh, it's kind of nice to have some time to, uh, to ourselves here with the coronavirus uh, pandemic going on. So um, yeah, we're going to tie some flies and uh, tell some fishing stories today. Well, thank you for joining us, Justin. Um, can you tell us what we've got going on today and what you will be tying? I'm going to tie a big pike fly. It's going to have two hooks. I'm using a Paccarini dragon tail, um, bait fish emulator flash, um, ice stubbing, and some rubber legs. Can you kind of go through the steps of what's what you're doing right now? Yep. First thing I'm doing is um, I'm going to secure the trailer hook using 20 pound um, braiding wire, which I get at a hobby hobby store. Uh, so I'm putting my second hook on here and I'm going to put it uh, about three inches behind my front hook. Well, so far it's looking pretty good. 
Can you tell us, Justin, some of your crazy fishing stories? Because I know you have a lot. Well, uh, one that, that sticks out is uh, <clears throat> uh, when I was guiding, when I kind of, right after I first moved to Missoula, and I was, uh, I was guiding for uh, my friends John and Terry Herzer, who own Blackfoot River Outfitters. Uh, I was up on the Blackfoot one, uh, one June, I believe it was in June, I think. Um, and we were up in the canyon stretch and um, had this really nice couple. They were from Pennsylvania. And uh, they were up staying at one of the local dude ranches with their family. And they had a day where they went fishing and then their kids were going to go do some other activities like horseback riding and stuff. So uh, the fishing was good. The people were really nice. We were having good conversation. It was just a perfect day. And, um, you know, it was a nice kind of late spring, early summer day on the Blackfoot. Um, We had a little bit of cloud cover, which was good for the fishing. They were catching some fish and and um and everything was good and uh and i guess uh, about oh two or so in the afternoon i looked downstream and saw some storm clouds rolling in and uh so kind of you know kept an eye on that as we continued fishing and started to hear some thunder boomers so started to get a little nervous um, and you know, then the lightning strikes started to happen and there was a couple other boats up on the river that day. It wasn't very busy, but, uh, but we did pass, you know, another guide boat that was hunkered in on the bank, riding the storm out. And I was thinking, well, maybe we should probably do the same thing here, wait and see what happens. And, and about that time, uh, the, the, the husband who was fishing in the back of the boat, you know, hooked a fish and was, was bringing a fish in. So I, uh, I leaned around to go help him land the fish with my net and landed the fish. And then I turned around just in time to watch the wife take her sunglasses off. And, you know, we always insist that people wear eye protection on the river. And she threw this high risk cast. Her line was piled up towards the boat and she'd been doing it throughout the day and I'd been trying to kind of break her of it, but she did it and I just, it was just one of those no moments where like it just couldn't stop her in time and it whipped the line right back into her face. And you know, she stopped immediately and held her face and I just kind of froze and her husband was fishing out of the back of the boat. He was kind of clueless as to what was going on at that, at that moment. And uh, she said, oh my God, I hooked myself in the eye. You know, it was just a, it was a just kind of a heart stopping moment. And you take first aid classes and, and, you know, CPR training for all these years as a guide and stuff. And, um, I, you're still just not really prepared when something like that happens. We're way up on the Blackfoot. We're miles from the boat ramp. There's no road access. Um, and, you know, here I've got this lady with a fly stuck in her eye. So, uh, you know, I immediately dropped the anchor. The husband turned around. So I take a look at it. And sure enough, it was hooked in her eyeball. I, you know, I thought, I'm like, oh, I was hoping and praying, like maybe it's in her eyelid, maybe it's in the next to her eye, but no, it was, it was, the, the hook was in her eyeball. I couldn't believe it. 
and uh, and you know initially I I said hey it's all gonna be hey okay no not a big deal it's gonna be fine um, it, it barely it looks to me like it's barely in your eye which I'm just kind of trying to diffuse the situation somewhat even though I'm, I'm trying not to freak out so we're we don't have any cell service up where we are and the lightning and the thunder starts getting worse and the rain starts hammering down and uh you know the sensible thing to do would be to pull over and ride out the storm because obviously fishing through a lightning storm is extremely dangerous you're you know you're you got nine foot rods in your hand it's a it's a lightning rod that you're holding um but we had no choice, so we had to just push through the storm and get down to the boat ramp so I could drive up and make a phone call. And uh, so we're, we're heading down the river, and uh, we just try to make some small talk. And the, the woman was just, she was amazingly brave, and, um, you know, I couldn't believe how calm she was. Like, the husband was freaking out worse than she was and she was you know encouraging him to calm down and then he calmed down a little and so it was actually kind of a nice uh, a nice hour and a half out we just kind of started talking about their family and and um you know she was just really mellow and relaxed and we just kind of made the best of it and uh we you know meanwhile we're going through a lightning storm and there's thunder booming all around us and lightning striking within pretty close proximity and the rain's pounding us and we've got a woman with a with a, a hook stuck through her eyeball and uh we uh we made it to the boat ramp and i i just left my boat and we all jumped in the truck and we drove up and we got uh we got cell service and we called the dude ranch where they were staying and got the manager on the horn and he agreed to drive out to the highway and meet us and run them into town. Um, so we met him on Highway 200 and he uh, he took them both and drove them into town and I turned around and ran back, grabbed my boat. And so I get to the hospital and uh, they're still waiting for the primary doctor and they're in the ER and the, the initial ER doc comes back because he had already talked to him while I was gone and he comes back and he delivers the news and you know says the fly is stuck in your eyeball it's uh it's something that we're gonna have to have an ophthalmologist take care of for you so we're gonna get the ophthalmologist here and he's gonna have to perform some surgery and take that hook out of your eyeball so at that moment, she started to kind of break down. And, uh, you know, because then she's, it's hitting her, the gravity of the situation's hitting her that she might lose her eye. And um, just a, a pretty scary moment for anybody, of course. And then what happened was her daughter comes through the door and she's got a cast on her arm. And she had gotten bucked off a horse that day at the dude ranch and broke her arm. And, uh, and we didn't know about that until, till just now. So, so on top of the fly in the eye, uh, their daughter's got a broken arm and the daughter and the mom, you know, are hugging each other and crying. And I'm just 
sitting there going, wow, this is just the worst Montana vacation ever for these poor people. And uh, there was nothing else I could do. So I, I left and I called him back the next day and the surgery had gone well. And um, they had saved her eye and uh, the doc had, had told them that if it had, if it'd been a barbed hook, she probably would have lost her eye. So it was a barbless hook. It was a big hook. She was fishing like a number, you know, size six stonefly or something, but, um, but it was barbless. And so they were able to back it out of there and, uh, and she was no worse for the wear. And, you know, a month later, I got a really nice handwritten letter from her um, along with a nice little cash tip and, you know, she had kind of like been, she kind of made me out to be some sort of mountain man hero in the, in the letter, you know, but I didn't do anything. I mean, she was incredibly brave through a, a really scary and uh, sketchy, sketchy experience on the Blackfoot River. So, yeah, so the fly in the eye, and I guess the moral of that story is uh, debarb your hooks and wear your sunglasses because you just never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still think you're a good mountain man hero for me. Oh, well, well thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what, what are you doing with your fly right now? Uh, so I'm, I've got the, the dragon tail tied in here, and this thing looks weird when you're not fishing it. Like, it looks like it just kind of hangs off to the side here. But when you fish it, it actually does this. It's that, oh, it kind of turns and coils around? coils up into a spiral, and I that's see. what moves around in the water. But... Uh, I think I need a, a little stiffer wire for this particular hook. So with this fly, is it just for pike or can it be used for other like other fish or is it mainly just a pike pike fly? Well, um, I got them from uh, um, an outfit called Nightmare Musky Flies. So I think uh, they use them for muskies. Um, and uh, I've got to believe that it would work well on tarpon. Uh, brown trout, um, you know, a variety of predatory fish, which I guess all most fish are predators. But um, any, uh, you know, any big fish that likes to eat a big meal, I think, is going to like this fly. Yeah, it's really, really pretty. Do you remember when I caught my first fish? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, we were in Sun Valley, right? Yeah, we were in Sun Valley. And yeah. it was my first time learning. Um, Justin was going to teach me how to fly fish. Remember, I had to borrow your dad's wading stuff. But yeah, then they were, it was a little big. Yeah, it was a little big. And it was March, and we were we went in the water. And I remember I took one step in, and my boot filled up. <laughs> and you moved so fast. You told me to keep moving fast oh, across yeah. the river. You're it right. took a second step. Suck and it up, buttercup, right? <laughs> That's what you told me. <laughs> and then I took another step, and the boot filled up. <laughs> and then the third one. I couldn't lift and I just fell in the water. Right. And you told me, do you remember you told me? I guess <laughs> guess we're done fishing now. Yeah, you blew it. It was a really uh I remember that day. It was like kind of warm and overcast and it was in March and there were blooming olives out and fish rising and uh yeah, it had all the makings of it killer day on the Big Wood River and you totally blew it and fallen in <laughs> with those size 12 boots that you couldn't handle. <laughs> but no, no, I, I, I looked at you and I said, no, we're not done. And I went on the bank 
and I caught my fish, the good old oh, whitey. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah, and then you I caught the white fish. <laughs> And I showed it to you. He said, hey, I got a white. And then I went back. I got a white. I think I was like, I, I got, got a white. white. No, you said white. Oh. I remember. Okay, I got, I got a, a white. white. And then I walked white back here. into the car and got and warmed up until you got done with your fishing trip. But I showed then, you. Didn't we go out the next day and you lost like my favorite fly box or something too? Was that the next day? Wasn't that the same trip? Yeah, it was. And then that day I was wearing a size six boot and I wear a size eight and a half. Oh, so we had you in boots that were too small that yeah. second time? Uh-huh. Gotcha. That doesn't explain why you lost my fly box. But remember we found it? Didn't I go back and find it? Well, I don't think so. I think we were just going back to the car. But I do have to say you were very good about not losing your cool with me. Well, yeah. I mean, the bigger issue was falling in the river during the blooming olive hatch and <laughs> putting a damper on that. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was my mayfly box too, like all my green drakes and all the stuff that I hate to tie that takes a long time. Um, but yeah, but we did find it, so we did. We found it. You know, the other thing, the other thing that happened to me. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but um, I got it under the shoots for quite a while, for several years, and in my twenties. And the Deschutes is a, you know, pretty dangerous river, big river, lots of white water. It's, you can't fish from the boat. You have to wade and it's slippery and fast and dangerous. It's all sharp volcanic rock. And, um, so it's a hell of a place to take people that don't really know what they're doing specifically because it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty rugged environment. Uh, we were doing a multi-day trip, which we did a lot of on that river. And... Uh, I was guiding for a guy named Roger Carbone, who uh, is, you know, an old school outfitter and been there for a long time. And, um, you know, good dude, knows what he's doing. Great big guy. I think he was a former football player or something. Um, But just a no-nonsense guy, too. You know, he ran a real tight program. We're fishing from, you know, 8 to 5, and then we're getting to camp, and we're having dinner, and, you know, that's that. And if the clients want to go back out and fish on their own, they can at any rate, I had these, uh, we had this group, and I think there was three or four boats. So Roger, uh, myself, a young guy in Oregon named Taylor Garretts, and uh, who, you know, has his own outfitting business and everything now. is 40-something years old, but this was a while ago. We were fishing, uh, it was on the second day of the trip, and <clears throat> I had these kids, These I had the, the young guys with me, and um, the one kid was real athletic and, you know, a good angler and didn't have to worry about him too much. His buddy was kind of the opposite. So he was pretty clumsy. He was haphazard. He couldn't fish very well. And he was getting kind of frustrated because his buddy was catching a lot of fish. So he was, you know, taking some risks and stuff and doing some things waiting wise that he probably shouldn't have. And I was kind of trying to reel him in a little bit. We'd pulled over in this one particularly kind of dangerous section to fish above Whitehorse Rapids. I told the kind of clumsy kid, I'm like, look buddy, you just gotta stand right here by the boat for me for a second, fish this one riffle and don't go anywhere. And uh, you know, I'm gonna send your buddy up to these rocks here and there's a bunch of pocket water up there, real real fast stuff, but there's some big fish that hang out in that and they don't get fished a lot, so. So I took the other kid back up and, and, uh, and set him up and you know, he was only 50 feet away or whatever from the boat, not very far. And, 
<clears throat> went back down and um, was helping the other kid fish and and uh, and the athletic kid hooks a fish and it's a nice you know big deschutes red side one of the big fat ones and fast current hard to handle and so he's fighting that and and uh, you know I grab the net go up to go give him a hand and of course the other kid uh, just couldn't stand it that his buddy had hooked another fish so he decided to to make a move and, and head up river and he just stepped right off into this real deep channel I looked down and I mean he was gone I started running down river and he had also unbeknownst to me taken off his wading belt so he's got those you know he's got breathless or he's got breathable waders on with no wading belt so those are an anchor and uh, we're kind of like right at the head kind of actually we're in the middle of Whitehorse so we're in the middle of a class four rapid and we're kind of like in this section there's a little bit of a tail out and then the set there's a the first part of the rapid which is kind of the main part there's a little bit of a break where we were fishing a little tail out and then the the rapid starts again for another half mile or so and the kid comes up and he's splashing around dog paddling and he's heading towards the tail out and he's going to go down in the second um set of the rapids here real soon and he's a goner if he goes in there there's no way he's getting out so I jump in, the kid, I tell the other kid to just hang tight. And I jump in the river and I swim down and I catch the kid. So now I've got him in one arm and I'm going in the tail out and I'm trying to swim with one arm. And it's not going very well. And it, right like right at that moment, I'm try, I've got to make the decision whether I'm going to drop this kid and let him drown or, what, or I'm going to go down with him. And uh, like right at that moment, this boat came around and saw what was going on, and I'll never forget this. The, the guide's name was Court Christensen. He was a guide on that river for a long time, and he uh, he saw what was going down, and he rowed down and caught us in an instant, and I grabbed onto Court's boat, and he pulled us across to the Indian side and saved our lives, essentially. And then uh, uh, Taylor came down, uh, that other guide, and I jumped in with him, and... Uh, we went and got my boat and and made it down to camp and Roger got word of what happened and you know he was he was pissed uh, and you know that night he gave me a, a bit of a tongue lashing you know about we don't need to be fishing in such dangerous spots with with this outfit or you know it's just not necessary there's plenty of places to catch fish and uh, and had a kind of a group powwow with everybody in the group about safety and and um yeah so it was a scary uh, that was a scary moment i that was kind of the worst of a number of kind of close calls i had guiding on that river with stuff with with people nearly drowning and um I kind of took a break for a while after that how did the kid? How did the kid feel afterwards? Oh, he was terrified. I mean, he was terrified. You know, he thought he was going to die. Uh, and uh, he was he was grateful though, and his dad was really grateful. You know, to, thanks for jumping in the river. And like, well, yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? I'm not going to sit there and let his son drown. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it Every... was it was just super lucky. I mean, just the fact that the court happened to show up at that moment is just really really fortuitous that is like every parent's nightmare yeah for sure <laughs> yeah no doubt but i guess mistakes 
small mistakes like that, not wearing your wading belt, not wearing your sunglasses can just be things that you don't think are important, really actually obviously are. Right, you know, moral of the story is listen to your guide. <laughs> it is so true. Yep, it is. Listen People to your, don't, they get in trouble. Listen to your guide, you'll catch some fish, and you'll, yep, stay, and you'll alive, stay alive, and you won't right. lose any body parts. Exactly, yep. <laughs> okay, so I see what we, what we have added so far. So we have the dragon tail. Yep. And did you add some flashaboo to that? Oh, that's this. It's a uh, this stuff's called bait fish emulator flash. It's, it's but it new. looks like it has a little bit of flashaboo it, in there. It looks like flashaboo on a, on a string, basically. So oh, essentially, okay. you're just kind of wrapping flashaboo around. Yeah. So. Right. It looks like you've just added that like below the eyes. I just wrapped the back of the hook shank with it. I so, see. Just I mean, to build up some profile. You know what that fly reminds me of? Huh. Remember the Muppets? Is it the Muppets where the drummer is like all crazy and he like shakes oh, yeah. his Animal? Head? Animal. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of the animal. That's a good name for the fly. Maybe we'll call it animal. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It is really cool. Yeah. I love the turquoise uh, legs. Cool. Mm-hmm. So it looks like you decided to add, um, what, what, did, what are you adding here? A little marabou. Marabou. I was going to say Malibu. Can't go wrong with Malibu on anything. Why did you? A lot of movement. I mean, it really does look like monster. Animal. Animal. Yeah. It's like animal meets a lion. Oh, yeah. With a big mane. With a big mane. The yellow mane. Yeah. It looks great. You know, for a lot of our listeners, they might wonder why we've named this the February Room. Justin, in our basement, um, his flying time room um, is called the February Room. And the reason why is because in February, that's where we tend to have the gloomiest days here in Missoula and where you tend to do the most, most of your time is spent down there tying flies. Yep. February is... uh... You go hide out by yourself and hunker down and fill your fly box and load shells and um, yeah, it's kind of uh, another term for a man cave, I guess. It's beautiful. Yeah, we'll just finish it off with some ice dub for the head. And I can't wait. I took one of these out the other day and just kind of swam it to see what it looked like. I was just kind of swinging it on the bitter root. I had something grab it hard, but... Uh, Boy, they sure look good in the water. You don't have to move them. What's great about this tail is you can move it really slowly and it still wiggles and it does all that kind of snake-like effect. And oftentimes with pike, you got to, and barracuda too, um, you got to kind of tease them that way to get them to strike because they're smart fish and, you know, they've been fooled before. And um, you gotta, sometimes you got to kind of play to their instincts and, and get that predatory instinct to take over. So sometimes you got to kind of tease them. It's like a... Like a cat, you know, like getting a, a cat to play with you when it's not in the mood. Well, looks like you're done with the fly and we're pretty much done with the show. Thanks for joining us in the February room. If you would like to share some of your fly fishing stories, message us on Instagram or Facebook at CD Fishing USA. And remember to go fishing. <laughs>